<laughs> if you want to know how much I love this place. I mean, I never, everybody says, if you had, a, if you could live anywhere in the world, and I've traveled the United States extensively, and a little bit of the world, I'm living exactly where I want to be. This place is magical. Shh, don't move here, everyone. <laughs> Wendy Cause is the founder of Cause Success. She guides transformation in individuals and entrepreneurs who wish to gain knowledge, clarity, and confidence to become passionate creators of peaceful, abundant lives instead of merely surviving it. As a business coach for over eight years, she has helped and inspired hundreds of individuals and businesses to get out of their own way and make positive changes that result in increased income, happier work culture, and improved customer service, resulting in higher profits and team satisfaction. Listen in to hear Wendy's perspective on spirituality and how she uses that knowledge as a tool to guide her through the business world and her general life. Okay, this week on the show, we have Wendy Cause. Wendy, um, she owns her own success management business, and she's also into uh, spirituality, and she's an author, and uh, we're going to get into that amongst other stuff, but uh, welcome to the show, Wendy. I am so excited to be here. This is so much fun. Yeah, we're excited to have you. I found your guys' podcast about a month ago. Oh, that's right, because um, I was... You you followed us on Podbean, mm-hmm. and then I think uh, on Facebook you made a post about it, and I'm like, I always get excited when someone makes a post about the podcast. I'm like, who is this person? And I scoped you out, and I found out what you were doing, and you have a podcast we'll talk about, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, we should have her on. This is cool. <laughs> so how I've, did you find us? A uh, mutual friend, Gregory Ray. Uh, he's uh, he's oh related to every yeah, episode of this show. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah. He's In some this, way. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. He and I were chatting, you know, conversation. You know, he's as talkative as I am. And um, he said, you know, you got to check out this podcast. And I'm like, okay. He goes, I bet they would love to have you on your show, on their show. I'm like, okay, but I wasn't going to like call you guys go, Hey, you don't know me, but, (laughs) and so I started listening to your podcast and then all of a sudden, Brian, I think it was you that popped up and said, Hey, are you interested? And it just kind of rolled from there. Social media is kind of awesome. It is kind of cool. It's, it's positive in a lot of ways that people forget about. Yeah. 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 So, so what is your podcast and what's it all about? Well, when I first started my podcast, it was like a YouTube type podcast because when I initiated my business, it was fully all about business. It was cause success management mm-hmm. because uh, my expertise fell into the lines of sales, leadership, customer service, team building. And the intention was to uh, get the the world to be awesome at what they do mm-hmm. and uh, very successful with that and not so successful on YouTube. That podcast didn't go over very well, to be mm. honest with you. Um, but it wasn't on like a Podbean platform. It was just purely Facebook, YouTube, that type of thing. And over the last eight and a half years, that's what my business has been all about is helping individuals grow and improve in their business aspect, even starting their own businesses. And um, But in the last, when I really started, when I kicked it off on Podbean, it was because I then wanted to switch gears 
and focus on what's really going on on that spiritual level of people. Hmm. In eight and a half years, 99% of the business that I work, the individuals and companies that I work with, it really comes down to their mindset and their attitudes, the psychology, their even their spirituality. And I went, you know what? I'm tired of dancing around the subject of what I've been studying my whole life, which is the spiritual aspect of things. So in August of 2019, I kicked off my podcast on a podcast platform, and it is all about being present, being aware. It's the interior journey versus the business success. It's now on the interior journey, the interior success that always ends up being about the exterior success in the long run. Mm -hmm. But it really, the foundation is what's going on inside. Yeah. It yeah. reflects on what's going on on the outside. Right. It's it's difficult to remind yourself to kind of practice that mindfulness and and self-care and kind of connection to how you in your mind are representing yourself outside and, and those cause and effects, not to be punny since that's the name of your podcast, <laughs> cause and effect, um, but uh, kind of what you do inside, how it reflects the outside, just like you said. That's cool. Um, I haven't got a chance to listen to the show yet. I know Brian's listened to a little bit of it, but I'm really excited to get into it. Awesome. So, yeah, awesome. that's cool. Might learn a thing or two. Yeah, I bet I will for sure. <laughs> so when you say spirituality, are you talking like, Eastern philosophies? Are you talking about like a Christian thing or, or where, where does that come from in terms of spirituality? I've, I've created my own uh, religion, I guess you want to call it my Wendyism, mm -hmm. um, which is no ism at all, to be honest with you. I've been studying all religions literally since I was eight years old. Um, I used to go to church with my girlfriend and her family. And um, at eight years old, I remember staying up until one o'clock in the morning, having theological conversations with her mother. Mm -hmm. Now, how an eight-year-old could engage an adult, I have no idea. It didn't seem odd to me at the time, but that was pretty much kind of the beginning of my journey, and I've never laid it down. You know, a lot of folks read books, you know, entertainment and, you know, all of that. I read theology. I... I've just been so curious about what really makes us tick. And I've landed on the fact that whatever ism anybody is, is the right ism for them. There's no right, there's no wrong. The book I'm currently writing, there's a lot of names I'm thinking of, but I'm pretty much landed on it's all true. Hmm. They all have a guidance to help us in our life absolutely yeah and as as a student of anthropology you, what i learned the most from school was all these different ways of knowing are how we we survive and how we continue to evolve as human beings and uh, move forward so mm -hmm. yeah all these different ways that people kind of see the world it, it helps in so many different ways mm -hmm. it, it's like a a, a guidepost you, you know it's like Religions are created in order to help people to understand the unnameable, the undescribable. It's it's impossible to speak of what is beyond our own understanding. A way that I like to kind of describe spirituality or our religious aspects, imagine if everybody on the planet are we none of us were able to see 
we're, we're, we all live our lives, we do our things, there's 7 billion people on the planet, but sight is not one of the things that we have. And for five minutes, creator, source, universe, God, whatever you want to call it, gives each person on the planet the ability to see for five minutes. Now, if you live in the desert, you're going to observe something totally different than somebody who lives in a forest or a mountain. If you live next to an ocean, next to a lake, if you live in an urban atmosphere, you're going to open your eyes and look around. Now, remember, you don't have words for blue, green, orange, yellow. You, you don't have those descriptive words to describe what you're seeing. After five minutes, everybody goes blind again. Can you imagine the chaos of people trying to explain what they saw? The people in the desert, they would say, this is what I saw. They describe the sand and the dunes and everything else, camels. <laughs> and they would try to talk to somebody who lives in a forest. And the people in the forest go, no, there were these tall things and da 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 da. And they're, so you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, I saw these rolling things that were wet. And that's a person by the ocean. So you're wrong in the desert and you're wrong in the ocean. <laughs> to me, that's the way I see religion. We don't have the human language to be able to describe spiritual God experiences. So over millennia, different religions were created in order to describe the undescribable. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah, That's... um. um 45 years of study that that's the best I've been able to come up <laughs> well, with. Well, you can condense it down. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like we get in the way of ourselves in interpretation, um, just like with, with politics. You can see yeah. that now a lot with the, the political arena that we're in. Um, and with religion and politics, I find that a lot of the times we all want sort of the same end results, but we just have different ways that we want to get there. Kind of like your analogy of, well, I saw this and I see this and you see that and you know this. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing kind of in a way. So that'll lead into a little bit of my woo-woo coaching kind of thing. So you said that you want, everybody wants a certain end result. What is the common denominator of every human being on this planet what do we all want happiness exactly and everyone approaches how to be happy in a different way now unfortunately one of the things that they do is they feel that i will be happy when you agree with me i will be happy when this happens or that happens but most importantly and we see it hugely right now we've Con you know, as the collective consciousness really created all of this, I believe, you're not allowed to be, do, and have who you are unless I approve. People are so unhappy, so purposeless, that the only place they can find their purpose is trying to demand you to think like me. Mm -hmm. And that gives them purpose. I don't know what you're talking about, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> I well, let me that tell you. Dictionary <laughs> definition of Karen. Right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it is so Funny. weird, this this bending of the will of each other that mm -hmm. we that we demand and we choose these teams 
And we don't realize that it's just dividing our families, it's dividing our communities, it's dividing our country. Mm-hmm. And we have so much in common, but uh, we choose to turn a blind eye to it because we're not on the same team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just silly. Well, it's silly to a certain extent, but it's understandable from another perspective. Yeah. And, you know, I see it too, and I I, I tend to pick a team. <laughs> we all do. We're and, human beings. That's right, what we do. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, at the same time, like I said, and like you've said, we all have these different ways of knowing and that's how we keep going forward. That's Mm -hmm. how we have to have it. We have to have it for our democracy. We have to have it for our cultures to exist. We have to have it for everything. Mm -hmm. And the question therein lies of, do we really have to, or is it just the habit that has been created over time? Hmm. You know, the awakening, you know, I don't know if you're familiar, but there's this movement of this awakening of recognizing that we each individuals are the creators of our experiences. And um, when anyone tries to get somebody else to get on their bandwagon, that creates a tribe. And we like to hang out with like-minded people. I'll give you that. I mean, that's just natural. However, when we are unable to accept other people's perspectives that's just been growing and growing as populations grow as the social media has become i mean everybody gets to be a keyboard war keyboard Mm -hmm. warrior now and without any responsibility there's no purpose all the screaming and yelling on facebook has changed nothing there's no empathy that's what i think is so difficult is so many people can't take the perspective of somebody else and understand because they want they want you to take theirs right. because if then they have they're, they're standing on solid ground, they're acknowledging, you know, somebody's acknowledging them, mm-hmm. agreeing with them. And it's an egoic requirement for survival, because remember, everybody, the one thing that we're after is to be happy, you know, and everyone will interpret. You said that earlier, interpret how to go about doing that in their own way. I mean, to jump to an extreme, even a serial killer is doing nothing but trying to find happiness. And if doing something as horrible as killing people brings a few moments of that elevated, you know, the adrenaline and the feeling good, the power, the control, all the crazy stuff. It's totally worth it. It's because they get a moment of feeling powerful and happy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And to, for, to that extreme, to somebody who has found happiness in a religion or spirituality or whatever, they want you or a politician, you know, a politician. They want you to feel one. that too. Right. Because if you just understand like they do. Then you would be happy. Therefore, I would yeah. be happy and I'm doing a good thing. So what I want to know and what I'd also like to know before I've even told you what I really want to know <laughs> is uh, how you got into coaching in the first place but after we've been talking about this which we should also get back to later is how do you incorporate what we've been talking about into your coaching Mm -hmm. well we got i don't know how much time we've got all the time uh so first maybe before we do that Mm -hmm. um i'm gonna write down incorporate really quick so i don't forget but who uh, and you don't have to name specific companies unless you want to, but like who who's your general uh, client? 
Who's, who would be a client that you would coach for? I have worked with, uh, on a business level, as mm-hmm. a b- business coach, Century 21, Alternative Nursing Services, Rustabaki, uh, Quality Behavioral Health, the casino, the Clearwater River Casino. Um, all of these, have, I've got letters of recommendations. Uh, Pacific, um, oh my gosh, PG&G, Pomeroy, um, Pomeroy grain growers you know, are just some examples of some of the business fast signs, um, some of the businesses I've worked with. And within many others, um, I've worked with individual sales representatives, radio stations, television stations, salespeople, uh, individual realtors and things of that nature. And their desire is to improve their sales, uh, learn better customer service. Um, Which makes them happy. money makes most people happy right so ultimately they're all after a better profit so they hire folks like myself to train to coach and to help improve their businesses in whatever Mm. way i've helped uh, a little little uh, dog kenneling place outside of um in rathrum get her startup you know, she had a dream and she got an inheritance. She goes, now what do I do? So I walked her step by step how to even start up her business. You know, um, those are, it's text dog lodge if you <laughs> want to give her a little pitch there. But um, I was in radio sales and advertising for about 10 years and leadership uh, prior to starting my business. And before that, I was a manager for 10 years in moving and storage sales and management and throughout the years getting all the training and certifications and when i worked at the radio station and i became a sales manager i really i became a sales manager in 2009 when the that's right i can swear when the shit hit the fan Mm -hmm. on the economy so of course it was horrible and with my way of leadership and training, my team exploded. And in such a way that they were like, holy crap, I cannot believe what you've done with this sales team. So they sent me to their other six radio stations up in Moscow. And you know, the whole time I kept saying to myself, it's my team. I've just got a really great team. Then I went to Moscow and in less than a year duplicated the success. It was astronomical. And then it had occurred to me, all this learning, all this training, all this personal development and spiritual learning and all of this over the years has come together to make this happen. And when I was out selling also, a lot of clients would end up asking me questions on sales, customer service and all of that. And I was like, I'm here to sell you air. I'm not here to coach you or to train you. So all of that in a few year period just kind of came together and I went, wait, I shouldn't just do this here. I should do this for anyone who wants to learn. And I quit my job, cashed in my 401k. I was 42 or 43 years old and just winged it. I had no clue. I didn't, the coaching business wasn't a thing back eight and a half, nine years ago. It was just started being super popular in the last five years. Mm-hmm. So I just was like, I know the word coach, and I know I want to help businesses succeed. And people would ask me, so you're a coach? What sport? And I'd be (laughs) like, uh. (laughs) But I found a coach, a trainer out of Southern California who had been doing it for quite some time, and I hired them 
to help me to walk through the process of how to communicate the coaching. So that's how I started it. And then I just took all of the strategies that I had learned over 30, 40 years of going to seminars, training, reading, applying, failing, took all of that and I just put it into step-by-step strategies. If you want to know how to sell, if you want to be a better leader, if your team sucks and you can't figure out how to get them to pull together, I have all of those strategies and over the years have created, because somebody will say to me, I want you to do this. And I'm like, well, okay, um, let me just crap out some program, you know? <laughs> so I'd have to go through my memory banks and all my notes and create a program to present to them. And then three months, six months, a year long program, they would, I would teach them. What's uh, what, what are some of the steps in the program? I mean, I know it's gonna vary on the business or right. the dynamics of the team, mm-hmm. but wh- what kind of things would you do to work out if there was someone that came to you and said, or even the strategy yeah yeah you, just, you don't have to you know there's like a formula i mean the there really curtain, is but. yeah sure it, there's it's number one is what's the problem what is what do you think and it rarely is when you ask them what is it what's your problem and they'll they'll, they'll say my team sucks and i'll look at them and go well this will tell me if they'll hire me or not. Actually, you as the leader, you suck. They're <laughs> fine. You suck. Your team is the a direct result of your leadership skills. You suck. Pay me. <laughs> and they do. <laughs> because if they can accept that type of a in your face, then I know we can go further. So yeah. that isn't always what they say, but often. So there's one is what is the problem? And often it's bad sales, bad customers, bad employees. And then the next is to uncover the clarity. Okay, they suck. Your world sucks. What sucks? What is it specifically? Is it lack of money? Are you stressed? Are you not uh, growing well enough? Do you not have a training program? You know, we get clarity on what that true obstacle is by asking a thousand and one questions. I have a questionnaire and I, of course, I go off off base on that too but we end up really getting clarity that's number one clarity 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 what is the real problem we all know your number one problem is it sucks but let's get clear about it the next thing is what would it look like finished if it was better in other words what is your goal what is your your end game and you so clarity goal time how much time can they? Because that's a big deal to a coach. If you don't have time to see me on a certain, like every week, can you only see me once a month? You know, what? how long do you think you can dedicate to making this thing happen? That's a huge part of knowing what kind of training I'll give them. Is it deep coaching with the leader and the team is it deep coaching with the leader and just the managers you know what what is it how does the structure look so clarity the the true obstacle the structure and moving in through that when i get that clarity of what they their problem is and what they want it to look like then i build the approach from there and again 99.99 percent of the time it's their mindset. You can pick up a book and find out how to run a business, the ABCs, one, two, threes of running a business. But it's their 
their ego, their mindset, their lack of happiness. Ego, ego, ego is usually a big problem because they don't want to do anything wrong. So they do all the kinds of things wrong. And you just step by step through them. Now on paper, it's a strategic approach to uncovering your obstacles and taking this step and, you know, measuring and get the statistics and find out, you know, where are you doing good and where are you bad and interviews with your employees. There's a lot of matrix that is involved. But in reality, it comes down to what's their mindset. So then that gets back to the spirituality, right? So how does that connect? Well, for about eight years, it didn't. I would sneak up on it. I would use my spirituality, my personal development and whatnot, and slide it in there without using any woo-woo language whatsoever. It, I would just switch the language to more mainstream types of mindset, affirmations, you know, positive this and listening are you listening to your team are you hearing them little body language stuff but kept it pretty mainstream um and again for eight years i've been hugely successful um but now i'm on another yeah well so um in the beginning when when you were going through the moving business and then you were in radio how it, there was, was there a turning point, I guess, uh, in the spirituality? I mean, when you went to coaching, were you already purposefully hiding the spirituality and then you just kind of were slowly and slowly letting it out? Or were you still developing it yourself through that process? It's funny. It's, I hopefully, we'll be developing it until the day I die. Well, sure. So, yeah, it's an ongoing process for sure. It's funny that you asked that question because um, when I moved to Idaho in 1991 from Southern California, I was into all of the woo-woo stuff. I, I saw a yoga teacher. I'd go to meditation classes and all kinds of things. I was really into discovering all kinds of stuff. I mean, I even went to a class and I bent a spoon. <laughs> How cool is that? I really bent a spoon. <laughs> it was really neat. <laughs> but when I moved to Idaho and I ended up marrying a, a gentleman that was very, uh, his family was a very fundamental Christian. And so I was in the closet. All of my spiritual books, the palm reading, the crystals, the chakras, all of that kind of stuff was in another room, shut down when the family member came over, never mentioned any of it. That was like the first four or five years when I was in Idaho. I mean, it's like, ooh, you know. And then I heard about this holistic fair, and they had Monday night metaphysical classes. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to sneak in there, and I'm going <laughs> to, ooh, there's like five crazy women at this metaphysical class. And, and I started blooming from that point. But I didn't come out of the closet at all until the Holistic Fair. And I think that was in 97 or 98. And I got super involved with that. And then I realized there's a ton of people into this stuff in the Valley. It's just the fundamentals are much louder. You know, whenever we had the Holistic Fair, there were we understood that there was a lot of uh, churches that were praying for its failure. And, and you know, there was really a negative connotation to that lifestyle in this valley. It's Why loosening is up. Is that because they saw it as like a satanic thing yes, or something? Yes, yes. Uh, it was a threat to their... Yeah, we need four religion. hours to go into the religious conversation mm-hmm. about why that is. But yeah, it's that thems and us is again, that mm-hmm. tribe, right? That 
you're wrong, that's the desert, and you're wrong, that's the ocean, it's the it's really the forest, mm-hmm. and nothing else is right. It's mm-hmm. it's that mentality, unfortunately. Mm. So Yes, I use all of the tools that I learned. I mean, how in the hell do you bend a spoon? You're using your physical, your mind. Well, you have to bend your mind around the spoon. <laughs> what is it it's from Matrix? You have, you have to realize that the spoon doesn't really exist, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> not the spoon. <laughs> I'm glad you got that. <laughs> I'm a bit of a nerd, too. You can do Star Trek references, too, if you want to go oh, there. Good. Good. <laughs> um. So, yes, to answer your question in my typical long-winded way is I use the tools all the time, 24-7 in growth and, and all of that, but you just keep it quiet. Right. You know, it's like a homosexual can live a normal life, quote-unquote, and nobody would know until they come out. Until I started talking about it, nobody knew that I was a woo-woo. <laughs> gotcha. So you're pretty upfront about sort of tapping into that spiritual element of business at this point? Or do you still kind of, or does it depend on the client? I've done a complete do you- about face now. So it depended on the client up until about a year ago. Hmm. So once in a while, if I got a client, we're talking one-on-one and I can see they're into it a little bit, then I'll start talking about how powerful our minds are and that we're not really here, that this whole world is just an illusion and get into that so they, they can drop the fears and stop using the psychology words and the mainstream words and you could dive in. The main change in my world right now is now I lead by spirituality and I'm I'm I really don't know the answer if I'm going to be as successful in the business aspect by flipping this around mm. because it's it's kind of new. I do have one business client who's now a, a, a I don't know what he wanted. He's not spiritual. It's not. He's not a spiritual, but it's a personal development client. Hmm. You know, he was a client now as a business, and he's like, "I heard you're doing this." And it's kind of like, like a life coaching thing. Yes, hmm. yes. So um, I flipped it around only in the last year. Do you want to hear how that happened? Hey everyone, just wanted to take a quick break to tell you about our new Patreon account. That's right, OSP fans, you can now directly help us fund this show and get access to exclusive content. For more information and to learn how you can support the show, head to patreon.com slash oldspiralpodcast. Now back to the show. You got all the woo-woo stuff, right? You know, I've got a lifetime of learning well, all of this Okay, stuff. so maybe before really quick. Okay. Um, with spirit, so maybe this is, maybe you were about to cover this, but we keep saying spiritual stuff. How is that different, say, than religious stuff? <sighs> you know what I mean? Or like. I get you. I totally it, get you. Like, how do you differentiate psychology terms from mm. spiritual uh, and, as you've said, woo-woo terms? So, like, I, I think I just confirmed I'm going to call it my, my name of my book. It's all true. You, you can't separate it. Mm-hmm. Just like the story of the ocean and the forest yeah. and everything, it all belongs to the same thing. I get you. Now you're just not so shy of, you don't have to hide terms now. No. You can still use all the terms, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and some of them are interchangeable. Mm-hmm. But now if you talk about um, 
you know, how our consciousness is all connected in one, you know, you mm-hmm. can say that as opposed to we all want the same thing. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Now I get it. I get yeah. it. I just had to clear that up. But yes, I, I'd love to hear your little trans little. I'd love to hear your transformation. Yeah. It, it, it is kind of a cool story. Um, just on a quick note. Mm-hmm. Um, typical metaphysical spiritual individuals. This is a, a the, the difference. Um, they recognize that they are part of everything is them and they are everything okay that i'm god you're god everybody's god religion has a tendency that god is outside and that you have to appease this outside entity in order to get the e-ticket ride to heaven sure okay spirituality spiritualist metaphysics typically understand heaven's here now that right. we are creating it as we speak so it's a huge difference, but we're always, always saying the same thing. <laughs> and that is ultimately finding our purpose on this planet. Well, and think about that mindset that you would have the difference of either I'm chasing an eventuality where I live in this perfect body in this perfect place with the perfect people, or I'm here now and it's my duty to make sure that heaven is good now. Mm-hmm. Like how much different that would make your worldview, the way that you're going to interact every single day with everybody and the things you're going to do. Well, and you know what's funny is that's almost the point of this podcast. Right. Because <laughs> right. we grew up thinking heaven was out there, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then we you know, realized that, hey, this place is pretty sweet right now right here and really you know we are lucky here of course we have so many great things and great people but i the older i've gotten the more i've started to think everything is what you make it if you're bored find something to do if you hate yourself how do you change it if you hate whatever circumstances it is you can do something whether it's a big step or a little step every day to kind Mm -hmm. of change however you want to what the, like you said whatever the end result is personal responsibility it's, right. it's up to you as opposed to the devil made me do it or i haven't pleased god enough in order to get that reward spiritualists it's it's your you're responsible it's a hard pill to swallow sometimes yeah. if your life sucks it's what you created mm-hmm. <laughs> but now i think we have teased the listeners well enough <laughs> Let's hear about your awesome story. (laughs) Tickle, 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 tickle. (laughs) Okay. So, I was born... No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to go far back. (laughs) I thought you were going to go Steve Martin. (laughs) I was born... You mean I'm always going to be this color? (laughs) That's the jerk. That's an old movie. All I need is this thermos and this chair. That's it. I'm sorry. And this mask. And the thermos and the lamp. That's all I need. Don't need anything else. Come here, shithead. <laughs> oh all my right. God, I'm we will with equal nerds. That's we awesome. will quit co- quoting movies, but that is not a promise. Okay. All right. All right. Now the story we've all been waiting to hear. I have. I have a dream. Oh my goodness! Here we go again. Now, for um, about twenty years, I have wanted to walk the El Camino de Santiago. And that is a 500-mile pilgrimage across northern Spain, over the French Pyrenees Mountains, and then across northern Spain 20, 20-some-odd years ago. 
It's like one of those things, you know, a bucket list that, you know, you're never going to freaking do. It's just never going to happen. But I really want to do it. And I'd read books on it. And I was like, gosh, this I, I could never release that desire. There was a calling. There was a need. And as you see me, I am no fit chick, you know. And even in my 20s and 30s, I was no fit chick. But it was still something that drew me for years and years. Um, read books, did the whole thing. And... There was never the right time. And it's like never having the right amount of money, the right job. How do you take 30, 35 days off? Who's got the money to fly to France and, you know, all of it. There was always all these excuses not to do it. And then you're going to go to France and not sit around and eat baguettes and drink wine? You're oh, going to yes, go. Yes, I did. Oh, <laughs> yes, I did. They do have the best food on the planet, I'm here to tell you. Mm. <laughs> so, but um, I was, it's just one of those things that, it always felt like I needed to do and couldn't, and it never left. And there was even a little bit of guilt because it was such a huge desire that I never had the guts to move forward on. And it's like, wow. Then uh, in 2018, I was talking to a girlfriend who travels quite a bit, and she goes, oh, I'm going to go to the, the on the El Camino de Santiago. She just, and I'm like, are you kidding me? And so we got talking about it back and forth. And she goes, yeah, if you buy your tickets right now, they're only like 900 bucks or, you know, they're under $1,000 round trip. And and owning my own business, I mean, I have really great months and really bad months. The funny thing is, is in 2019, when I went on the El Camino, I almost tripled my income compared <laughs> to all the years before. And I didn't, I took pretty much three months off, which is crazy. <laughs> but anyway, um, I was like, I'm going to do it. I, this is going to happen. And it just settled in. It fin- it just like a brick it sat down in my stomach and said, it's now. And I also, at that time, it didn't matter. I had a problem with my ankle. I, I ride motorcycle. My motorcycle is an 1800 gold wing. <laughs> How badass is that? I don't know. It's pretty badass. <laughs> <laughs> it's huge. Cool. Um, but that's why it's so good to be large and in charge, right? <laughs> but I had hurt my ankle uh, taking a right-hand turn, and it hooked up on a rock and twisted it. Going to the doctor, they had said they'd have to open it up and scrape out the callus or whatever was in there, and then maybe a 50-50 chance that this foot thing was going to get better. I was in a boot and a cast and all this other stuff because I wouldn't let them cut me open. And um, so if I walked, it, it, it would jam up on me and I you know, would limp. And so that was what was going on in 2018. When I made the decision, this is happening, come hell or high water, I don't care if I got to crawl, I'm doing it. I began walking every single day. And at first I could just go as like to the mailbox and back and then the mailbox around the corner and back and then so forth and so on up to the point that I was walking three to five miles every few days and walk a mile a day easy. But the, every third day or fourth day or so I'd walk three to five miles. I'd go out to Hell's Canyon and walk the ridges up there and do all that. And I really trained and my foot's fine. <laughs> I, it, it's fine. Somewhere three months into it, everything, all the pain, everything gone. I don't know. Was that mindset? Was that the walking? You know, my doctor wanted to cut me open, said I'd be dealing with this forever if I didn't. I don't know. You're just Tell bending me. spoons. I bent a spoon in my ankle, I guess. <laughs> so I trained and 
right up until just a few months prior to the trip, I still didn't really have the funds to do this. I, it just was just things were just going sideways on me every time I turned around. And then I booked this tremendous, the biggest job I ever booked. And they prepaid a whole year in advance. Booyah! <laughs> I, and who would have thought, mm-hmm. right? So I bought my ticket, and, and it was a little bit more because I waited so long. And I set aside money, and I bought all my gear, and I, I had it all. And it was good for me to be able to take 30 days off, come hell or high water. It didn't matter. And off we went. And I asked my girlfriend the year before, I says, do you want to go on this Camino with me? Because I really wanted to do it alone. I didn't want my husband to go or anything. This was a personal journey, right? But he insisted I invite somebody. So I asked my girlfriend, whom I thought would say no. And she goes, hell yeah. I'm like, <laughs> that's why I love you. And then it, it, so I ended up going with her, which was ended up being perfect. Um, I realized how lonely that trip would have been without her. It would have been not the same. So before we move on if that's all right what was your attraction or what interested you what was your pull to this trail because there are many trails i don't know there was just because it's crazy there are there's tons of them in the united states let Mm -hmm. alone and there's one in china and yeah there's they're everywhere I don't know. I'm sure as heck not Catholic. It's a Catholic pilgrimage. Yeah, I was going to say it does have religious connotations. Big time. They yeah. accept everyone, but yeah. yeah. And then, uh, and then I'm assuming you'll talk about that in a bit. I, I would like to know what the significance of the trail is. But yeah, I, I wondered why why this one. I I honestly, I, that was a huge question. I don't know. I just was pulled. Now, if you want to get woo woo about it, there's you know the concentric the stars and the moons line up and there's something spiritual and powerful and energetic on that path. I, I don't know. And it worked. It it did. It did. So all of the fun and joy of doing all of that, we get to Paris and we get to, um, uh, Pete, the port, Pete, the port. I always have a hard time saying that. That's, that's where you started, uh, in France. And the first thing you had to do was go over the Pyrenees Mountains. There's a choice to go around it, but I didn't want to puss out. I wanted to go up this mountain. And it was a nightmare. The first day we only walked four or five miles, but it was like going up, you know, power line on um, Hell's Canyon out back by Tammy Creek. right, yeah. It was like that for five miles. And so, it was hot. So what is the ascent? What was the total elevation that you reach once you're up there? Ooh, I'm not 100% sure. I want to say 1,800, mm-hmm. but I'm not 100% sure. That makes sense. That's around seven devil's height. It, yeah. It's yeah. It's not like 4,000 feet or anything like that. Well, that's that, insane. Yeah. That's somebody kill me now, right? But the elevation from where we were to where we went is like 1,800 that makes sense. feet, I think, is what it was. Yeah. But the beginning of that sucker was so steep. And I kind of freaked out because I'm a smoker, which everybody would laugh at me, see me smoking on the side of the road on the, <laughs> on the pilgrimage. How can you be doing that? I'm like, I don't know, but this is what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> but going up killed me. I mean, it just, I did not train enough on the hillsides. And I was 
the more I difficult that first day was, the more I was pan- panicking because the next day we had 17 miles to go in order to make it over and half of it uphill. The same freaking thing as what we did the day before. So what is that like eight miles, seven, eight miles? uphill like that and the more I thought about it the more I panicked and the more I panicked the more I got tight and the more tight I got the more in pain I was my knees my ankle my toes were jamming up my low back my backpack I mean it was just I was just a a quagmire of frustration fear and pain I'm like screw this I just I don't think I can next day I get very drunk that night because there was a really good albergue there that that I was able to stay at. I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I think I drank two bottles of wine. <laughs> but the next day, we're walking up the mountain, and it's super cold. It had turned from hot to all foggy and huge wind, and I mean, and of course the wind was not at our backs; it was at our face. And the, the, these big, huge clouds, it was like the clouds were covering the mountainside and you couldn't see. And so it was there's moisture slamming at you and the wind and the cold. And I'm in a total state of panic. And we'd been walking for about an hour and I take four or five steps and I just freak out, just freak out. I was like, I can't believe this is happening to me all of these years of dreaming. And I'm going to piss out and call a cab because I can't do it. And I went, wait a minute, Wendy. You can do this. What if you could do this? You know how to meditate. You know how to breathe. Just settle. Settle into this. Stop fighting it. You know your head is what's doing this. But when you're in it, you don't know it. You just panic, right? It's like when you get really mad, you don't know when to stop until hindsight. And you go, well, I probably could have stopped doing that. But but I caught myself. And I said, okay. Just breathe in through the nose, out through the mouth. Stop thinking about it. Just enjoy. Look at this beauty that's all around you. The fog and the rolling and the other colorful pilgrims walking. And, and it was just amazing. And I, and I was just like, okay, this is cool. I was looking around, walking. My girlfriend was with me. And I'm looking around. And I disappeared. I became the mountains. I, it wasn't an astral projection. It wasn't like I left my body. I, I became the wind. I became, and I'm like tearing up just talking about, I became the wind. I became the mountains. I became the, the ground that I was walking on. And the, with each breath, it was like filling my lungs, you know, and, and I just became everything. I wasn't me. I wasn't, I didn't separate. I just, like became everything. I don't know how to describe it better than that. And my girlfriend said, I just kept walking. I never like stumbled off the path or anything. So I was physically here and and able to stay on the path and not run over people and stuff. But I, for, she said it was about a 45 minute period. I just didn't, I didn't talk. She said, I throw my arms out once in a while and laugh like like this crazy happy joyful laugh but that whole time i wasn't wendy i I, (laughs) i was not this physical body i was hanging out with everything and when i became conscious of it i went oh this is so cool (laughs) boom slammed right back into into me and i went whoa 
And then I started laughing and bawling and shaking. I fell to my knees. I, I lost it hysterically. And she came over. She scooped me up and was holding me while I was shaking and freaking out. The pilgrims were like, are you okay? Are you okay? She goes, no, these are happy tears. These are happy tears. And they were so kind. And I don't know how long she held me on the side of that road. But I realized I'm not me. You're not you. We're, we're, we are like holograms. See, I'm trying to explain an unexplainable thing. I'm trying to tell people who live in the forest about the desert. It's like, it sounds so crazy. So did you experience that connection before that or after? Minimally, we all have. Have you ever been in a moment, maybe when your child was born or a beautiful sunset that blew you away or there, but it usually lasts for like a moment and you're like, whoa, that's cool. And then you're done. Mm-hmm. I think every human being has had that experience, but little, little bits, little pieces. I think this, one way that you can feel it too is like when you're, when you're doing something that you enjoy and you're doing it particularly well, like you're in the, in the zone. Yeah. And you kind of have that flow state of like, I'm doing this at an ex- uh, for whatever reason. Pure really, being. Yeah, I'm doing this without thinking. It's it's working really well. But I don't know that I've ever felt something that was so profound like that. I hope someday I can. I, yeah. And, and one way I'm glad that I had studied for as long as I did. Because I tell you what, I got back in June of 2019. And by July... I thought I was going crazy. I was this close to going to the fifth floor because I could not reconcile the not being who I always thought I was. I had spent 51 years developing Wendy, you know, and then to find out that I'm not this, that's not it. All the horseshit that I had gone through, all the lessons and learning and wisdom and all that crap, so superficial it's the words we can use because that's the desert and the ocean and the the forest right but the recognition that i'm not me if i'm not me then who the hell am i and now what am i supposed to do with this what am i supposed to do with this information you're not you you're not you people are going to put me on the fifth floor whether i want to or not right (laughs) and i ended up finding that's synchronicity, right? I found a coach that had was familiar with this situation with the awakenings. And I since found out that people in fundamental Christian churches have those born again. It's almost identical. The experience is almost identical. So this awakening experience I had, it wasn't just me and me alone. This is happens and is happening. And she helped me, she coached me heavy for about six months. So I didn't end up on the fifth floor. And and then the last six months, I have been developing a program, a way of being able to communicate it in a way that laymen and spiritual people of any religion or walk of life can understand it. And I found my purpose. So, yeah, I lead with the spiritual stuff, and the business stuff is secondary. I don't know if I'll starve to death or not. I really don't care, because now I know why 
I'm doing what I'm doing. Hmm. You know, I've got a purpose now. I don't know where it's going to lead. It's kind of new. <laughs> That's really cool. And it's cool that you were able to find that. I mean, so many people spend their entire lives trying to find a purpose and a reason. And they might, not, they might not ever find it. Uh, sadly, most do not. Mm-hmm. Um, statistics, because that, that is part of my nature. Um, only about 3% of the world's population is even aware enough to become aware. Mm-hmm. That makes me sad. It is sad. So my purpose is to answer the call to any that want to learn. So what what can people do right now to try to practice mindfulness and try to ride the course on anything that they're doing in their lives that they just really hate? Learn how to breathe. Yes. Yes. That sounds so stupid, but it's the first step. Yeah. Breathing is, I mean, it's the fundamentals of all life. You know, that's the breathing and, and being present. So I developed the five steps to the path to peace. And well, when I listened to uh, when I started listening to your podcast, you talked about Eckhart Tolle. Well, hold on. You talked about Eckhart Tolle. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else listens to. Yes. Uh, <laughs> this is how he talks. I did. <laughs> And he is one of my greatest teachers. That was a little fast, but I'll give it to you. <laughs> no, it's amazing. It is so painful. He, I get it. <laughs> he does power of now. Yes. And that's all a mindfulness. But And we were talking on the phone uh, a few days ago. And I'm like, yes, Eckhart Tolle's great. Uh, it's You got all these guys. Power of now. Ram Dass. Be here now. And it's like almost like they're trying to tell you something. Well, you have to, So presence is the first step on my path. So breathing is a given. That's part of the, the deal. But presence, being here now. Because the truth is there's no past and there's no future. 97% of the world's population spends all of their energy, all of their time in the past or the future. Regret and worry. Which, who was it that said, uh, was it Buddha? That, or was it a different person who was, um, that's the cause of all suffering, or 99% is the past or the future. There are many, many teachers who've said it. Buddha was one. Yeah. The Tao Te Ching, which was pre-Buddha, pre-Jesus, pre-everything, mm-hmm. says it. If you can define it, de- decipher it. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I mean, everyone is saying that. And because it's true. But the simple lesson of being present now is so impossible. You talk, But I've got to worry. And... I'm going to live, relive this tragedy that happened to me when I was eight years old until the day I die. It's what most people do. There's something horrible that happened to them. The incident is done and over with, but they perpetuate it and they become their own perpetrator to that tragedy for their whole freaking lives. It is so yeah. tragic to and me. And you know, that's a really touchy subject because on one hand... You hate to seem like you're downplaying something real that happened to somebody. To say, oh, that was in the past, 
you know, move on. Obviously, you'd never say that to somebody. I actually do. Okay. Well, <laughs> but you, you get what I'm saying. People can at least take it the wrong way. They do. And, they absolutely and, but, do. But, the, but what I think what the real meaning to that is if you keep reliving it, that doesn't help you at all. It, it doesn't change anything. So the, the simple question is, is it does. Well, first of all, you're right. It doesn't take away from the tragedy that did happen. It did happen. It's a fact. You can't argue truth. The negative tra- tragic thing happened. 20 years later, diving into it and reliving it and rehashing it and not allowing it to be let go, that's your, you're perpetrating that. That person or that thing is done and over with. The only place it exists is still in your mind at this point. That's just truth. Now, here's the thing. Anybody who is not ready to hear that kind of directness probably is not going to work with me because that's the that works and i've if you read my letters of recommendation wendy said shit i didn't really want to hear or you'll read it in my on my website there were times i hated wendy but she said what i needed to hear not what i wanted to hear it's my tough love coaching and that's a hard one man i agree with you yeah that's a tough one uh, for sure. Um, you mentioned something about a five-stepper. Uh-huh. Is that is that in the... Nope, not in this nope. book. Okay. This... Well, what's the five steps then? Being present uh-huh. is number one. Okay. Okay. No past, no future. You can't control either one of them. So worry is the future. And, you know, we worry about paying bills. We worry about our kids. We worry about da-da-da-da. And I want to close off because I can see it in your eyes. You're like, that that little tragedy thing, that's really kind of bugging you a little bit. And that's okay. But let me tell you, my daughter died. And because I've come to peace with the presence, I can think of her and not feel horror and tragedy and, and loss. I think of her and I feel gratitude, love, and and so pleased she was in my life it happened i can't change that would do you do you feel me what i'm saying i get you and i i maybe i got that across wrong i've come to terms with i i brought that up because that to me my guess is that's what most people would struggle with that's kind of why i brought it up you're absolutely right they push back the hardest on that yeah okay so the practice, you're acting, asking what the practice is. So the quick practice for presence is being aware of your surroundings immediately. Feel your hands. Feel the energy around you. Stare at a tree. Sit for a moment. Don't label stuff. Don't just, just be fully present. If you're doing dishes, zone out on the rainbows and the bubbles. Be present. Me and my girlfriend watched my washer and dryer. got a new one with the window in it. We sat there and watched the whole spin cycle. I mean, what is that? Like five minutes of just staring into a damn washing machine, you know? I don't know. Maybe you should have gone to the fifth floor. Sometimes, <laughs> right? So being present, however you want to do it, and in my podcast and in um, my Facebook pages and stuff, there's and I have a program that will walk you through it that goes much deeper. Presence. Silence is number two. Just stop. 
I went to Spain. I've been studying since I was eight. I've been on this rabbit trail trying to figure the solution and the answers and the da-da-da-da-da. And where did I find it? In silence. I wasn't thinking. I wasn't being. I wasn't doing. I was just like, okay, I'm just going to settle in and be quiet for a bit. I'm going to stop stressing. I stopped and was silent, and it just happened. And now I can do it at will when I want to. But being silent, like if we were to take two minutes and just sit here on the podcast quiet, you would lose all your listeners. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Probably even 30 seconds. You're right. They think that you turned off. We don't know how to be silent. And you're listening to me going, God, this woman is This lady knows how to be silent. Right? (laughs) No one believes you. Right? (laughs) My mother said I was born talking. My teachers were, Wendy is a joy to have in class. If only she could learn to control her mouth. But I've learned silence in the right places. Right. Third step. Podcast is, is not the right place. Right. Yeah. Thank God. I want to tell all my teachers, see, I make a living talking. <laughs> all right. What's after silence? Number three is mindful action. When you're present, when you calm down and be silent, stop. You then have the space to be able to take mindful action without reacting. That gut-wrenching, you know, somebody flips you off when you're driving by and you're like, ah! No, if you just... All right, be you. <laughs> you you can take mindful action. That's a lot the of the third. times when you actually do sit and take a breath, you're like, "Oh, I did cut them off." Oops. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> Number four is non-judgment. Just about every thought that we have is a judgment. Now that's going very deep. The tree is big. The tree is short. In comparison to what? It's a judgment. It's not bad judgment. It just is a judgment. This food is good. This food is bad. That's a judgment because I judge that it's good. You might think it tastes horrible. You see what I'm saying? So, but that's the deepest version of that judgment. But in day-to-day activity is judging like you do get mad and you flip that driver off. And then you spend the next five hours berating yourself because you're not a peaceful, good person because you flipped. Okay, you flipped them off. It's done and over with. Don't judge yourself any more than you judge the person that flipped you off or cut you off. Yeah, you got to get to the point where you're like, oh, man, I flipped that person off and I'm supposed to be spiritual and mind. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. Believe me, (laughs) I am not walking around peaceful all the time, and I even teach peace because some people just tick me off. But instead of ruining an entire day, I can let it go and go, okay, maybe next time I won't choose to do that. But Mm -hmm. I'm okay I did that because I'm just human. We are on this relative planet. that We are having this experience. So I have no expectation of being a floaty little light ball of pure consciousness because I'm physically here. Do you get me? Okay. So no judgment. Don't judge others. Oh, you like Biden? You're this, that, and the other. You like Trump? You're this, that, and the other. That's the big, the the surface judgment, right? Yeah. Except for those people like Joe Jorgensen. They're just dumb. (laughs) (laughs) And the final is surrender. It's really that simple. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Oh, I know yeah. I won't quit my day I'll job just uh, put a clip of Elliot singing that in there. <laughs> there you go. Let it go. Let it go. Seriously, the surrender. People interpret surrender as giving up, giving in. But the power of letting go, the power of accepting presence, 
silence and the being here now, all of that. There's power in that. You know, it's like you could sit here and call me names. You could you could say I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm old, I'm this, I'm that. And I'd be like, I, truly, I would be like, you, you can't offend me. It, I surrender to your opinion. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't have that filled out in all areas of my life, but other people's opinions of me, I let go of that in the, on the mountain. I really don't care. I really don't care. I That's awesome. So that's one surrender that I've got. There are others, but that is one that I, I think I've got down pretty good. Um, and those five steps, I've been working with people for the last year, and the results of just baby stepping into those, you don't have to go crazy deep like I do, brings moments of peace throughout people's days. They can just grasp they're in the chaos of stress and anxiety, work or whatever, and they'll remember those things and they can slow down and be present for a moment and be silent. And they find moments of peace throughout their day. And as time is going on, it's growing and growing and growing. They're even making decisions and things that they never thought they could because they're surrendering to the moment. And it's kind of cool, you know. It's it this has been really neat. So I turned it into a program. So because I, I do have to li- make a living, I have to eat. I'm on the relative plane, so I do have to do that. <laughs> so, but it's um, I made a program and a membership, and I just launched it like a week ago. Already got people involved, and it's really exciting. And um, you can buy it online and just watch my craziness all by yourself for 15 bucks. Just sit and watch the whole video. Or you can join the membership. And we meet once a month. If you're local, we meet once a month at my my office, my house. I have a grandmother's house that's my office on my property. It's so nice. That's nice. Yeah. So we meet there once a month. Um, I guess if it grows, I'll have to find another place. But for now, there's not enough people not to be able to fit in my office. Or those that are out of state or, or cannot, um, if they're they're worried about COVID and stuff, I do Zoom once a month. We have the meetings. And there's all kinds of other little goodies that go with it. But it's to get involved with the ride, man. <laughs> so those are the five steps. Yes. Very cool. And they're so simple. And but yeah, the, that's the thing about, uh, well, take meditation, for example. All you have to do is sit down and don't think and don't move. Yeah. It's the most simple thing. And yet it is so hard because there's something in your brain that refuses to shut off. Like the, the um, Buddhists call it the monkey brain. Yeah. And this process that I do is not about sitting because... I don't even sit for hours on end. I may sit for five or 10 minutes. Uh, Sometimes I'll sit for a half hour, maybe even an hour, but sometimes I don't sit at all. The invitation on the being present in silence are moments. Hmm. It could be a minute, it could be two minutes to zone out on whatever. Because in this day and age, if I tell you that in order to reach peace, happiness you must meditate one hour a day one in the morning a half hour in the morning and a half hour at night and in our relative world it's pretty difficult to achieve that even if you could sit for a half hour doing it 
I mean, I wouldn't be overweight if I just exercise and ate, right? It's yeah. that simple, right? <laughs> so, yep. so we're not going to do that. A lot of people just will not take the time. And what does our society do if you can't do it at all? Or if you can't do it right, then don't do it at all. Right. So you don't do it at all. So this peace process step you through just moments throughout the day instead of hours at a time. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be working really well. So before we move on, you mentioned a bunch of stuff really quick. Um, those meetings that you said you have, is that through cause and what's the what's the business name for those meetings is it the same as everything else um so you're talking about for the peace yeah my program uh it's it's the path to peace path to peace and that has a website uh well if you go to cause success.com and spell that uh, cause k-a-u-s-e and then success.com that front page is all about the peace process or the the path to peace and it'll say learn more click here click here and it'll take you to my teachable platform so just go to causesuccess.com and you'll be able to access all of that you can sign up and do everything there and you said you have a facebook as well Mm -hmm. and And that so there's wendy cause w-e-n-d-i-e cause (laughs) with the k and then my group you can uh ask to join oops i hit the microphone that'll be fine you can ask to join the group. It's Cause and Effect, which is also the name of my podcast. And the podcast is on Podbean and almost all uh, popular platforms. Cool. First time around, I got I made it onto the Apple. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard people have got to work on that for weeks and months and years to get approved. Oh, and wow. I was like, boom, right in. That's awesome. We'll, we'll hit all that at the end as yeah. well. I just wanted to make sure, since we mentioned it, we might as well. Yeah. throw it out there um but the next thing i kind of wanted to talk about is you are i don't know how to put it crazy well well we all knew that <laughs> uh you are a co-author i suppose in yeah. a book can you tell us about that once again i had a dream uh no i've always wanted to write a book and round to it just like it took me 20 years to get around to going to like camino um i have started and stopped I don't know how many books but I've got one that I'm working on right now that's called it's all true okay Um, but I'm getting close to the end of that writing and I'm kind of panicking because once I write it then what the hell do I do with it how do I get it out there and it that holds me back that's my clarity I know my clarity what's holding me back (laughs) is my fear of trying to get it published officially you know hay house or whatever So I was thinking about that and I was making notes and jotting down steps that it would take. I even downloaded how to publish on Amazon, printed it out, sat it aside. I hadn't gotten to that part, but I was right in that mindset. And out of the blue, my colleague slash, she's more of an acquaintance than a friend. She messages me on Facebook and says, hey, I'm writing a book. Would you like to add a couple of chapters to it? Holy crap. Are you kidding me? There's that synchronicity thing, that woo-woo thing, right? So I asked her, you know, what it was about and what she wanted me to write about because, you know, for 30, 40 years I've been studying, what do you want me to talk about? And she wanted to write a book that was all about everything fortune-telling and, you know, divination and all, you know, where did all of that come from? What was the history of it? You know, how do you use it? And, And so she just brought a bunch of us in to write about our specialties. And mine is muscle testing, 
or kinesiology, which is very accepted by the scientific world, by the way. And um, like one lady was writing on tarot cards. I don't do, I'm not connected with tarots. They don't kind of connect with me, but I do animal medicine wheel cards. They're like totem spirit cards type of thing. So I do a lot of readings for myself and friends. I don't do it as a profession. So I wrote two chapters on those two subjects. All right. It's, and the book is called? Yeah. Talk, I'm not real thrilled with the name of the book because it's so big, but Talking to the Dead, Fortune and Future Telling. From the Past to the Present, A Look at the History of How It Started and What is Still Working. So, I mean, it's intriguing, but yeah, I've learned a bunch of stuff because there's just everything in here. If you're ever curious about a tool or, you know, we're all talking about it in here. All the main and things I've never even heard of, of the history of all those tools that we use to divine. So can anybody purchase that here locally or can you get it on Amazon? Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. Uh, All of my um, Facebook page and stuff is the link. And I think I sent you the link. Yeah. Um, So you can put that link if you'd like. I'll put the links in the episode description and the Facebook post. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's $9.99. It's not really a huge lease. And I'm not making any money off of this, by the way. It just is a passion project. I thought it was fun. And to dip your toes in writing so you can do your own. Yeah. You know, and she, uh, she edited it. It was very easy and i guess i'm a pretty good writer and it just flowed really easy and i'm like i have been putting that off for so long because i've been so scared of it and it's like oh. so now i'm 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 a go that's I'll be, cool i'll have my own book soon that's awesome. <laughs> it's all true so you're talking about kinesiology i mean like you said that's a pretty accepted and studied discipline mm-hmm. you can go to lc and get a degree in it right now mm-hmm. what what did how, how does that connect to spirituality? So um, they discovered that when you have negative stimuli, that your muscles automatically react to the negative stimuli, making you weaker. So you're so, talking stress? Well, the negative stimuli causes the stress. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is uh, that like I've got lower back pain, but maybe necessarily stretching's not the answer? Oh, I, I think again, it's all true. I don't think uh, that no, no, no. What I'm not, saying not, is not uh, stretch, right, or not do medical, or you know, I personally but there avoid could surgery, be other things going on. There, also, in my opinion, there is other things going on. Like you were talking about with your experience with your ankle, right? Yeah. You know, I've used acupuncture and chiropractic care, and even uh, some healing powers of individuals. And over my lifetime, I've avoided surgery five times using alternative healing methods. Old Spiral Podcast is not a doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. You just definitely, it, it's all true. So, I mean, it would be crazy to avoid our awesome medical. I mean, it, to me, that's crazy. I mean, if, if, if you got cancer and they can cut it out, okay, I may use positive thinking and my mindset to help. But right. I'm not gonna not don't don't Steve <laughs> right. Jobs it right <laughs> you know uh, because I I'm I'm not enlightened I'm not Jesus I'm not Buddha I'm not I'm just me so it's all true I would use all tools but I'm not gonna leave a tool in the toolbox if I can figure out how to use it so it's again like you said taking that holistic approach mm-hmm. 
to sort of figuring out what the cause is. But so I still am kind of trying to figure out like what, what, how kinesiology connects. So are you talking about changing your mental mindset to alleviate pain in your body? Is that? Um, no, kinesiology or, or muscle testing is more along the lines used for making decisions or knowing if something is good for you. As an example, an easy way that I use it. If I'm at the health food store and I'm thinking about getting this brand of vitamin D, or should I get this brand of vitamin D? I'll use muscle te- testing techniques to answer it. Does that make sense? So what does that look like? What's a muscle testing technique? There are many ways, but if you're going to self-muscle test, which is one of the more difficult way things to learn, put fingers together on one hand, uh, the middle finger or the ring finger, touching the thumb, and use your index finger of your other hand, and ask yourself, show me negative or show me no. And you measure how difficult it is to pull your finger through that loop that you made. And you guys can try it while we're doing this. Put your fingers together like this. Okay. Now say to yourself, you don't have to say it out loud, show me no. Show me no. Feel the pressure that it takes to do. Show me no. <laughs> now show me yes. Show me yes. Can I'm, you can you feel the difference of the strength? That I will one do was it easier and one was easier. Later. Maybe Drew can answer. It's difficult to tell. I would have to. Th- I'm gonna have to practice it. Well, it's I difficult to, on yourself. I need to have intent on something. I feel. Right. I need to figure out what yeah. it is. I need. To, I need to but, not have an audience. Yeah. yeah so here's a practice. <laughs> you know, a, a, a really easy way is two people. You can't fight mm, that. Right. And we can't show that on podcast, but um, is where you stand with the hand out, and you could take an organic apple and hold it against your chest, and push down, and you'll feel the strength. Now take a pack of cigarettes and hold it against your body and push the hand down and you'll feel how much weaker that is. It's the same thing with, and it took me a long time to know the difference on myself, much harder using the two fingers and, and breaking the, the finger grip because it's hard to measure. So I can tell, yes, no, but if you were to play around with it, and I'll show you after the podcast how you guys can do this, it's really cool. And it's not woo-woo, it's scientific. It's been proven again and again and again. The the muscle reaction to negative stimuli versus positive stimuli. And your body knows negative to positive. And all of these tools, all of this woo-woo stuff is just to help you to follow your own intuition. If you can be quiet and ask yourself the questions and if you trust your gut, quote unquote. And well, that's what you would use before you started coming out and with the spirituality. You'd say when you were in the closet, yeah. you'd say, trust your gut. Right. But what we're really doing is trusting our spirit. Right. Our soul, the universe, whatever you want to call it. Hmm. So anyway, muscle testing is very interesting, but it helps you to yes, no. You know, should you eat this? Should you not eat this? A lot of people use it in um, holistic healing and health food stores and things of that nature. So do you weigh heavy decisions with that? Super heavy decisions? Or is it just sort of kind of more basic casual things? I would say when I first started, yes. I would want to do this or want to do that. Do I take this job or that job? And because I was on the surface of the, ooh, this tool, this toy is so cool, you know, and, and I would listen to it. And without much thinking, it felt outside of myself. Now I recognize it's just me, my energy speaking. We're all energetic beings. 
everything is energy and in the vibrations and we could get into quantum physics but um but you know it's just it's just that talking that vibrating and tuning into it hmm. it's there but we use tools to make it happen better it's like you can type on a computer right but you can also handwrite okay so you can use your intuition but it's better to use the computer. It's you know when you're first learning, or you, you, some, you just use the tools that are hand, on hand that work the best for you. And that's what this book is all about. It's just giving you all these options. And if you like them, cool, try them out. If you don't, move on to something else. It's kind of cool. That's cool. I'm definitely excited about picking it up and checking it out. Um, I also can't wait to check out your podcast. Um, I have a question for you. You know, we, we, we typically ask people, like, what's your favorite band and or what music you like, which I'd like to know also. But we also like to know kind of our guests' um, view or, or outlook on the valley or why they like it or why they don't. But in, my, in this case, I think what I'd like to ask is what, what's the, like, energy that you feel here? I love the valley. I visited up here. My dad moved up here, and then I'd come to visit him. And I lived in Southern California. And I'd come visit. And when I was driving or flying home, I would just bawl. I wanted to be here so bad. There's such a powerful connection. Even though it stinks, I love the way it smells. It smells like money to me. What's that say right there? Lewiston smells like money. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I want that t-shirt. Um, Ew, they sold it at uh, Kmart, and it's no longer a store. Oh, no. That's awesome. But everything drew me here. You know, I have had some profound energy connections here from day one. I had to be here. It's kind of like the Camino. I actually left my husband because he was a LAPD. And I'm like, he agreed. He wanted to move to the Pacific Northwest. And then about a month before we decided to move, he goes, you know, I just can't. I, I love my job. I love my life. And da, da, da. I'm like, damn, I'm going to miss you. <laughs> I moved to Idaho. <laughs> If you want to know how much I love this place, I mean, I never, everybody says, if you had a, if you could live anywhere in the world, and I've traveled the United States extensively, and a little bit of the world, I'm living exactly where I want to be. This place is magical. Shh, don't move here, everyone. <laughs> I don't think anyone that doesn't live here listens to the podcast. <laughs> you never Whether, know. I don't care where they live, don't fish in my spots. <laughs> don't tell us where your spots are. I won't. <laughs> Yeah, where do you fish? Oh, in the water somewhere. I know how that goes. Mm -hmm. Same with the hunting grounds. I know, somewhere in the forest. (laughs) They can have that. I just want the water. There you go. (laughs) I hunt. I fish. I love the valley for its weather. I can ride motorcycle almost year-round. Gets a little boring running around this little bowl in the winter. But, I mean, it's got everything. Absolutely everything a human could want. This is the best place. (sighs) The banana belt. (laughs) <laughs> okay, and and favorite favorite band or or things that you're really digging right now that you're listening to. I was introduced to a uh, Los Angeles group. Uh, my husband uh, and his best friend have American Warfighters, and we did the Rockfest um, uh, in August, and they brought up, excuse me, Crash Karma. Mm-hmm. Got to put a link in for them because. Oh my gosh, because I am not a real heavy rocker. I like 
Nickelback and stuff like that, but they're they're a little up there in the heavy rock zone. And but I love them. Their tone. There's something. <gasps> Crash Karma. I can't get enough. And it's a duo, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just two people make all that sound. Mm-hmm. And we got to party with them and hang out with them and got oh man. Their music, the more I listen, the more I love it. But the truth is, when I'm listening to Pandora and it says, you know, what radio do you want to listen to? I'm like, play James Taylor radio. A mm, little bit of Jim Croce <laughs> thrown yeah, in there. The Eagles and, you know, classic rock is where it's at for me if if I'm going to listen. And I really like um Irish, Irish. Oh, Celtic music. music. Yeah. You know, like Gaelic Storm and, you know, Lindsay Sterling a little bit and um, Lorena McKenna, you know, those kind of things. I really like that too. I'm more of the mellow, except for Crash Karma. (laughs) (laughs) I really like, there's something in their tones. You're familiar with them, it sounds like. I've heard them a few times, yeah. 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 And they, there's just, usually rock sounds like, uh, saw saws in a tin getting dropped in a tin factory I just can't abide but I love them there's something with their tone hmm there you go Crash you heard it here folks cool <laughs> awesome well Wendy can't thank you enough for coming on the show um, this has been wonderful so much fun I'm glad you came on we, we've got a lot of cool stuff to check out now stuff that uh, I bet a lot of people haven't uh, been in touch with if you want to come out of the spiritual closet, just give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right. Thank well, you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Wendy, for being on. I end all my podcasts with, Mwah! I love you. Uh, real quick, uh, Facebook, cause and effect. effect, website. CauseSuccess.com. Okay. All right. And I yes, much love from Multiviral Podcast. This episode of the show is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much to all of you for supporting the show. If you would like to become a Patreon subscriber, head over to patreon.com slash oldspiralpodcast. That's going to do it for this week, but the shows are not over. Get caught up on the backlog of episodes if you haven't already, and thanks for listening.